Welcome to Retro Reprise. I am Adam SL. And uh, today, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, this isn't a video game related podcast. Um, some of you may have noticed that I haven't posted in a week or two, and I have a reason why, and that's what this is going to be. This is a bonus. I'm going to put this under the bonus category. You guys don't have to listen to this one. Uh, it's not related to the normal podcast that I normally do, but I wanted to uh, let you guys know what was going on and fill you in on some of the details um, about what's what's up. So uh, the reason why I haven't been doing podcasts uh, for the past couple of weeks is because uh, my mom was in the hospital and uh, something had happened. Uh, now, I'd been communicating this information over Twitter uh, primarily, and uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Twitter is not my favorite place to go to for information. Uh, mostly, I use Twitter to promote the show, try to do any kind of support I can for anything Nerdy Legion, uh, other shows that are out there as well, but um, it's not one that I really use a lot of. In fact, I'm not very much of a social media kind of guy myself. I really want to do you know, more creative stuff like podcasts. Um, I'm hopefully getting into more uh, documentary type of stuff on, on my YouTube channel. Uh, so I, my concentration's on there, not really on social media. But social media is a big part of either running a channel or running a podcast. You need to have some sort of uh, social media presence. And Twitter is one of the best places to go for that, despite the way Twitter is. Um but to, uh, to fill you in on what's happening, what's going on, and uh, give you guys an idea of what, what actually happened. Uh, so I'm going to start this off with uh, t- going back about 10 years. Now, it's not quite a full decade ago, but it, it, it's about a decade ago, and that's all you, all you need to know. Um, my mom... Uh, my dad had already retired. Uh, my mom was working, um, and she was complaining about having a lot of back pain uh, for for a lo- little while, like a good six months or so. Continuous back pain. Uh, it was just really bothering her, and I I kind of relate. I have arthritis in my lower back. Um, I got to a point where I just had to stop doing physical work because uh, it was uh, honestly every day I hurt, and it wasn't just like. A little bit of hurt. This was like deep in your bones hurt. Well, it turns out I have arthritis in my back, so that makes sense. And uh, my mom, at this point in time, uh, you know, it was just sort of like back pain. You, you get to a certain age where it, it back pain or knee pain or hip pain, things like that, it just kind of, uh, it just sort of happens. And you are told by doctors, yeah, that's just sort of, you know, you're old now. So that's that's what's going to happen to you. Uh, so she didn't pay a lot of attention to it. We didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And um, eventually she, she kept on complaining and complaining. And my sister, who had been in a car wreck some years earlier, started going to a chiropractor. And was re- and that chiropractor was really helping her out. So she recommended my mom go see a chiropractor. Now, when you go to, if you've never had any kind of, kind of chiropractic work done, uh, they take an x-ray and kind of more or less see where your bones are at, and then they they work on a plan for adjusting you. Now, um, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan, and so I've watched Joe Rogan's podcast, and he thinks that chiropractic work is a, a complete bunk, like it's, it's a 
you know, quack practice. Um, I don't, I don't believe chiropractic work. I don't believe like getting adjustments can like do the same amount of stuff that a lot of chiropractors claim it can do, but it does make you feel better in certain instances. Um, for me, I do go see a chiropractor myself, um, mostly for my neck. And, uh, if I don't have that done, I, I get migraines. Uh, so for me going to a chiropractor is, is a lot of maintenance stuff. Um, but it's because of the way I've slept for years and years and years and the way my bones have settled. Uh, so seeing a chiropractor, getting adjustments, um, you know, sleeping correctly, um, adjusting your diet to, you know, try to lighten the load a little bit on your bones. Those are all things you can do to kind of help with your, you know, uh, bone structure and the wood, the way it sits. But I always find when I go to a chiropractor, when I come out, um, I feel better than what I did going in. So my mom went in, she saw the chiropractor. Um, they did an adjustment on her back and, uh, it, she said it hurt worse than, than, um, than when she went in. She said, it just, it just really hurt. She said, is it supposed to hurt? And I said, well, you get like popping, but it never really, to me, my bones never really hurt because of it. Uh, you know, you may have a little stretch in your neck a little bit, but that goes away after a couple of minutes. It's not bad. And, uh, she said, no, man, my, my back just really, really hurts still. It hurts worse than when it did before. It like took my breath away. It made me sick. I said, well, it's not supposed to do that, but hopefully, you know, just give it a couple days and, and, you know, hopefully you'll start feeling better and hopefully you'll, you'll feel like you're, you know, usually when I walk out of the chiropractor, I feel like I'm a little bit taller. My posture is a little bit better. She's like, no, I don't feel like that at all. So about a week later after that, um, she was closing her car door and, uh, hurt her arm. You know how sometimes you just do something weird, you may be in a weird position or twist something and, and a normal thing like taking a step or closing a car door or something like that, um, you kind of pop something and it just hurts. And she had done that with a car door. She had closed a car door and it ended up doing something uh, to her arm and her arm just began to hurt. And we, we really, none of us, and, and including her, none of us thought anything about it. And um, so about another week goes by, and she says, my arm's killing me, my back's killing me, I've, I've got to go see a doctor. So she goes to see a doctor, and um, they're, they're running tests, and they decide to hospitalize her. And at this point in time, we're thinking, oh, okay, this is sort of maybe a, a further onset osteoporosis, um, which is common in women her age, um, to have, you know, a, a, a rapid version of osteoporosis or maybe an advanced case of osteoporosis. Um, you know, maybe something was hurting her bones. Um, but what we found out was that um, between the, the chiropractor had actually ended up breaking her back and the car door actually had broken her arm. That's why we were thinking osteoporosis. That was the first, you know, they came back and said, these are, these are fractures. Uh, these are like uh, little hairline fractures in, in the bones. And uh, we're like, oh, oh no. So they started running more tests. 
and that's and that's where we came up with the osteoporosis thing like wow this is this is a pretty advanced case of osteoporosis which i don't know if it's curable but i think it's like treatable i think you can like sort of maintain after you get to a certain point but they run some more advanced scans scans that are a little bit more uh detailed than say x-rays are and uh, they started doing uh blood work and all this other stuff and it turns out that it's not osteoporosis. Uh, what it is is a form of blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Uh, multiple myeloma is not one of the sexy cancers that gets a lot of press, that people do a lot of walks for. Um, I, and I don't mean this in a negative light by any means, but most people are more familiar with like breast cancer or testicular cancer. Um, so... Uh, Multiple myeloma is not one that people really talk about that much. Um, so it's not a very well-known cancer as far as the public is concerned. Um, but one of the things that this does, this, this type of blood cancer does, is that it uh, eats your bones. Um, and that's what was going on. This was the, the beginnings of this cancer um, kind of eating her bones and as time has gone on and we've seen further x-rays and scans and stuff like that uh, her her bone structure basically looks like a sponge now there you your your bones have pores in them already but it started but when it's starting to like when the holes start to expand out um, it's it's a problem especially since your bones are supposed to be uh, a, a bit harder than than uh, than a sponge. Uh, but yeah, over, over time, as you take a look at this, uh, there's these kind of giant holes that end up showing up in your bones and it pretty much turned my mom into Mr. Glass, um, <laughs> from, uh, from the M. Night Shyamalan movies. And, um, when they initially diagnosed her with, with that, they said, um, you know, the average lifespan of somebody once they're diagnosed is usually about four years. So uh, there's no there's no cure for it. Um, you know we have treatments, but the the normal time frame for somebody to live is a, is about four years. So uh, she starts she starts up a chemo regimen, things like that. Um, and really, in this I guess in this field of cancer, um, since it's so since it's your blood and it's not just like one organ or one portion of your body that they could possibly cut out and then treat you this is your blood so your your blood is the the poison you know your blood is poisoned there's nothing you can really do about it um so uh one of the treatments at the time this was very experimental and um at the time this was uh there was a big controversy uh but they talked about doing a stem cell replacement uh and right before they had done the stem cell replacement, there was, you know, news articles and things like that coming out of, uh, coming out of everywhere talking about stem cells, you know, how they come from babies and all this type of stuff. And uh, my mom, who, and I've talked about it before in, in past podcasts that, you know, my parents were very religious. They didn't want stem cells if they were coming out of, you know, uh, aborted baby fetuses or anything like that and they explained that no it doesn't you know that's not where it comes from it comes from the umbilical cord they have other ways of harvesting stem cells without harming children is what my parents wanted uh so my mom went ahead and agreed to it 
And um, so they set up her, uh, set her up in a hospital, and uh, they begin this uh, stem cell replacement uh, thing. So in order to do this, uh, they have to hit you with a heavy dose of chemo. Uh, now, there's different types of chemo for different things, but uh, the chemo that she had been on uh, wasn't the kind that would make you lose your hair. It just makes you sick and, and you know wipes you out for a few days, but you don't lose your hair. Well, this chemo is particularly designed to just wipe out just about everything. Uh, so what your body has to do, or what they have to do, is, is kill your body's ability to fight off any kind of diseases and basically bring you down to an infant level as far as your, um, as far as your resistance to anything. So that's the first thing that they do. Uh, they hit her with this dose of chemo, and this one's particularly nasty. You, you lose your hair, um, your health goes to crap. Uh, your immune system's absolutely shot because it's that's what it's targeting essentially, and uh, and then they have then they give you the stem cells. So she got a blood transfusion, so she had healthy blood, and then she got the stem cells, and um, and it took and it takes about a month to recover. So she was in the hospital for an entire month just to to have the stem cell stuff done, and. Um, and when she came back, you, you know, stuff was uh, stuff was pretty good. She still she was still in bad health uh, with the bones. They pretty much have to insert a metal rod anywhere that she breaks a bone because her bones won't heal. Uh, so she never really recovered from you know the chiropractor or breaking her arm. And and just to give you guys a, a heads up, it wasn't the chiropractor's fault. Despite the fact that they take x-rays, the x-rays weren't going to catch these details. You know, we had talked to the doctor like, hey, is this something that, that we should be worried about? Do we need to go, t you know, talk to this chiropractor? And they're like, no, this is something that they did their standard practice. They were fine in what they did. It was just that, you know, it, it took scans and blood work to see what happened something further than what would normally be needed for a, 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 a visit to the chiropractor. So, um, you know, not that we were looking for to cause any kind of like legal trouble or anything like that, but we, we just wanted to make sure our P's and Q's were, were in order with everything. So, uh, you know, the, the stem cell treatment did its job. Uh, and for a little while, my mom... I mean, it was for a very, very little while, for like about a month, my mom was in uh, remission, uh, which was really good news, and everybody was really positive about that, but like I said, it lasted about a month. Um, the uh, Multiple myeloma is a very aggressive cancer, and like I said, because it's something that's in your blood, it's it's not something that's just going to go away. So we were we were hopefully optimistic, and she was in remission for a little bit, but she never, but that quickly came to a stop. Um, and then for the most part, um, you know, we've just been maintaining, she's just been maintaining and, and going to get her chemo treatments twice a week. Um, and the chemo treatments will never cure her of it, but it sort of holds it at bay. Uh, and that's the way it's been for the past, uh, about eight years now. That's actually seven years. It's been, it's been seven years since then. So my mom has already outlived, the prognosis uh, of this uh, cancer, which is fantastic. Um, 
but as time has gone on, she's gotten more broken bones. Uh, a few months ago, she was getting into a car. Getting into the car, getting into a car for her is 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 really dangerous. Um, I don't know how many times. I think she's broken two arms and a leg uh, getting into a car. Just getting into a car. Uh, you know, from the action of closing a door, just sort of that violent stop. Um, has caused broken bones, but uh, uh, a few months ago she was getting into a car and she broke her leg just um, getting into the seat. Uh, so some sort of awkward position. She snapped something in her, in her leg and uh, they had to go put a rod in her leg and, and get her put back together. Um, she's had to have a hip replacement, stuff like that, because of this. So... We're fast-forwarding. We're, we're seven years later. And um, they're saying, okay, well, we're getting to the point where we need to uh, do a stem cell replacement again and see if we can, you know, hold this back again for a little while. Um, but all the, all the chemo plus the cancer um, and plus just sort of having to deal with all this has taken a heavy toll on my mom. Uh, and her health has, while she has been able to, to live pat three years past the initial, um, diagnosis of, of dying at, at, in four years, um, it has taken a heavy, heavy toll on her health and she's not, um, you know, she needs help getting around. Uh, she's either wheelchair bound. She she used to be in a walker. I don't think my mom will be in a walker anymore. I think she'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's just, it's a devastating, you know, what this, the, what this thing does to your body. It just ravages your body and you just deteriorate in front of everybody. Um, and... They said, well, uh, so going to the doctors, they, they told her that, yeah, uh, we, we need to do another stem cell treatment. And my mom really wasn't looking forward to it because the the dose of chemo that they give you is pretty memorable. <laughs> it's pretty nasty. And you have to stay in the hospital for a month, and she didn't want to do that. And the doctors were debating about whether her heart was healthy enough to do that. Um, you know, at, at this point in time, she's had to have she has to have consistent uh, blood transfusions and things like that. She basically has to flush out bad blood and have it have good blood put in, but eventually her body will will poison that blood as well. Um, and she's just tired, and um, you know she's she was debating whether she wanted to do this or not, but they said that this was uh, she's at a point where it's vital that she do this, um, or she could die. And so uh, they said that there are some other things, other factors that they need to look into before they could approve going in and doing this uh, the stem cell replacement again. And uh, it took it took a good couple of months for everything to come back and for them to to approve it. But they they approved it. But they said, you know, we are concerned about your heart. Uh, your heart has taken a lot of trauma from all of this, and. Um, we are concerned about it and but we're going to go ahead and say let's go ahead and do this and uh you know it was down to my mom to to make the final decision and and uh you know I sat down and talked with my mom about it and she really didn't want to do it she really wasn't into it 
and I, and I let her, you know, I kind of pushed her in the direction of like, I, I, I get that you don't want to, but you have grandkids that, that want to see you and, and be with their grandma and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, she said, well, I'd, I'd want to, to be with you guys, but I'm just tired and tired of living like this. And I said, I, I understand. Um, but I said, you know, for, for your kids, we love you. We want to be around you. I understand that. Um, but you have grandkids who want to see grandma too. So she decided to go ahead and go with it. And, um, oh, about a month ago, she went in to get the stem cell treatment done. And everything was going according to plan so far. Um, she'd gone in, uh, you know, they spent a lot of time running tests and everything. And uh, you pretty much get a room for a month. Uh, and these are super clean rooms because of the nature of, of what has to be done in these rooms, this this treatment. Um, the air cycles through like every five minutes. There's always like, it's, it's a very sterile environment. Uh, when you go into this portion of the hospital, they've got somebody who, uh, has a switch for the door. You have to, there's a sink like right across from the door. You have to go in, wash your hands. They have to watch you wash your hands and then they'll open the door for you. And then you go up to this little machine and, um, it scans you. You look, it's, there's like a touch screen on it. You answer a couple questions. If you've had a fever or any kind of illness within the past 24 hours, anything like that. And then you look into, you know, there's a couple of circles on screen. You look into those circles, and while you're looking into those circles, it scans you and checks your temperature. Uh, and if your temperature is too high or too low, they will not let you into the building. So you, it scans you, it takes your temperature, and then it prints out a, a name tag with your face on it. It's very, it's kind of very sci-fi, very cool, um, Blade Runner kind of type stuff. And... Uh, you know, uh, we go in, we, we go in to see mom, check up on her. Everything seems to be kind of normal at this point in time. You know, she's, she's jovial. She's joking with us. Um, you know, she'd gone in before she'd gone in. She went to go see my wife who, who cuts hair. Uh, and my, my wife had cut her hair short, but she said, I'm going to need to get, um, you know, I'm going to need to shave my head soon. My hair is going to fall out because of the chemo. Uh, it takes a couple weeks before that happens, but she had been hit with the dose of chemo and it was starting to, you know, obviously it was starting to take an effect. Uh, you know, she needed to sleep a lot. She needed her rest. Um, my wife and I went in a week later and, uh, you know, she cut her hair and we talked and then my, my mom got a little sleepy and she went to bed and we took off. Well, fast forward to Thursday night. Um, from that Sunday that we'd gone in to see her and my sister was with her and, um, I had gotten off of work and I was just sort of sitting back on the couch, um, surfing through YouTube videos like I normally do. And I get a text on my phone, uh, from my sister and she just, and the text just said she stopped breathing. And, um, you know, I'm the type of work that I do. I'm the kind of person that I need verification. I need specifics. I need to know exactly what's going on. My, I don't want to jump to any conclusions without having 
as much information as possible. So I text back, mom stopped breathing, question mark. And uh, about 10 minutes go by and I'm not getting an answer. And I'm shooting more text. What's going on? Give me some details. Tell me what's happening. Still not getting an answer. Call my sister's phone. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? I get her voicemail. No answer. Uh, I make about three or four more phone calls to her phone. I'm like, you need to answer your phone. Don't just open up a text like that. You need to tell me what's going on. Eventually, uh, my sister calls me back and she says, uh, you know, they were taking her vitals. They went and weighed her and and were measuring stuff and they put her to bed because she was getting tired and when she was, when they laid her down, um, she just stopped breathing. And, uh, and that was it. My mom had just stopped breathing. And she said, you know, she looked at me and then she closed her eyes and that was it. Uh, mom stopped breathing. She's like, I did a couple of rescue breaths and I called the staff over there, but she said it took him a long time to get to her. I don't know if that's the case or if it was just adrenaline, you know, uh, when we, when we're hyped up about something, whatever it is, we have a ten, ten, time expands out for us because we're so every, every minute takes longer than what it did. So she said that the, the hospital staff took a long time to get to her, but, but she didn't know. And, um, she said right now they're working on mom. You guys need to come out here now. So, um, I packed up and we went and and I took off um, and I got there probably about nine o'clock at night and um, they had given us the special waiting room. So they had moved my mom from the, um, there's different floors to this hospital and one floor was the uh, chemo treatment or the, the stem cell replacement treatment floor uh, and they had moved her to the ICU. And in the ICU, we were in the special waiting room, which is uh, separate from the the normal waiting room that's uh, out in the lobby for a few people to be at. Um, and this was a smaller room with a lot of chairs, had its own sink, that kind of thing. And my sister's there, and then there's another guy there. And uh, I, I don't remember his name, but he officiated over my sister's wedding. Um, he's a pastor. And... Uh, you know, I'm like, so what's what's happened? She said, well, I don't know yet. They're still working with her. Um, they said that we'll be able to see her soon, but we we don't really have a whole lot of details yet. We're still waiting for the doctors to come in. And um, within two or three minutes, my brother comes into the room, and then my dad comes into the room, and we're all just sitting there. And um, someone tells us that we can go see her. Um and, but there, there can only be two people in the room at a time. So my sister goes and the pastor goes. Um, the pastor was there to read my mom her last rites. This actually isn't the first time that she's had her last rites read to her. But um, he was there to read last rites. And uh, so my sister and, and the pastor go in uh, so he can do that. And um, we're just, we're sitting back. My brother's asking me, hey, do you know anything? I said, I haven't, we, we don't have any details at this point in time. We don't know what's going on. 
Um, you know, just that she's, Sarah said that she stopped breathing and we're here now. This is all I know at this point in time. And, uh, they get back and, uh, my dad and my brother go and, you know, I'm trying to pull as much information from her as, as possible. And she said, well, we don't know everything just yet. We're waiting for the doctor to come in and, and talk to us. Um, but they are really busy in the ICU tonight. And so we were going to have to be a little patient with what's going on. So my, my dad and my brother come back. Um, and I can tell my brother's very upset. And, uh, my sister said, okay, let's, let's go. So I get the other, they hand the badges off to my sister and my, and myself again. And I go in and see my mom. So, uh, uh, this is your, you know, worst case scenario, television, you know, hospital drama version of things. Um, my mom's laying in bed. Uh, she, her eyes are closed. She's got tubes running down her throat and there's a machine that's breathing for her. And, um, it's very, uh, disturbing to look at, um, watching a machine breathe for somebody that, you know, um, I've, I've seen my, I've seen my grandmother's dead body before. And it's, to me, I have a hard time dealing with that type of stuff. And seeing this was, was just as disturbing to me as, as seeing, uh, a body, uh, I'm not really a big fan of like open casket funerals and things like that. Uh, I've I've never dealt with like biological things very well. Give me technical stuff, I'm happy. Uh, give me computers and wires and things like that, and I I deal with that a whole lot better than I do with the human body. Um, but uh, my mom's laying there; she's got these tubes, um, you know, running down her throat, and there's a machine that's breathing for her. And the only way I can describe it uh, is grotesque. It's violently breathing for her. Uh, her stomach is jutting in and out, and then her chest rises up and raises down, or rises up and lowers down. Um, there's just, you know, they've got stuff stuck to her. Uh, you know, she's already had a a, a port for. Um, for, for, uh, chemo and, and drugs and stuff like that. So she, you know, she's got like this, you know, what I call a squid. It's just, there's a lot of these different, um, tubes that, that go into her, uh, to, uh, put other things into, uh, put medicines and stuff in her or take blood. And so she's just hooked up to everything. Uh, and you know, they're, they're metering everything. Uh, you know, they've got a heartbeat, and they've got, uh, you know, uh, it's the breathing machine that was was the most disturbing. Because, like I said, this was this was violent. Like this thing was, she would you would see her stomach jut out, and it would just be, it, it'd be violent enough that it would like make her body shake a little bit. Um, it was just really disturbing to watch. And um, you know, we the first thought that was in my head was that. Um, you know, because my sister had said it took took a long time for them to get to her. Uh, you know, my first thought was was that you know, oh my my mom's brain dead and they've got her hooked up to life support essentially. 
uh, and we may have to make a decision later tonight. We don't know. So we go back to the waiting room, um, and my my brother and my dad had, had to step out for a little while, and so they they uh, they stepped out of the hospital, and uh, we we waited. Um, we waited for probably let's see, we were about there at nine o'clock. We really didn't get our answers until about two in the morning. Uh, so we we waited maybe five to six hours before we, we actually got to talk to a doctor. And my sister had to, to finally find somebody and say, hey, we need we need some answers. We've been waiting here for hours. We've been here for like five hours. Can you guys give us some information? So uh, the doctor comes in and, you know, she says that they were, they were able to revive her. She was able to open her eyes and see what was going on, um, but they had put her into a chemically induced coma. Uh, now, earlier on that week, um, they decided that they needed to put a pacemaker in my mom, but after this event, they also said that they need to put in a defibrillator, um, for her. So, uh, that was one of the things that they were going to do, um, and on top of everything right now, she just needs to rest, and we asked about her mental faculties, and they really didn't give us a straightforward answer, um, and I'll fast forward about an hour before that conversation. Uh, my my dad had stepped out. It was my just uh, my sister, my brother, and myself. Um, the pastor had gone home, and uh, you know my brother was like, "Hey, what do you what do you think?" And I said, "Well, if if she's just being kept alive by machines, that's not something that mom would want, and she she would want to." be pulled off of them, and they both nod their heads. Um, apparently, there's some paperwork that my dad has that he didn't take with him that basically states my mom's wishes if, if something like that were to happen, um, to not essentially try to resuscitate her or put her on any kind of machines that's going to keep her alive, but she's not. she herself is not staying alive. Um, so... You know, we, we talk to the doctors, they tell us that, you know, uh, yeah, we've got her in a chemically induced coma, um, but she's going to need some, she's going to need some hardcore time to, to heal. They seemed kind of optimistic about it, but as far as any kind of brain damage or anything that was, um, that could have happened to her, uh, in, in addition to everything else that they don't know yet and, and that they would have to. Um, they just have to wait. So all of us, um, kind of take turns watching over mom, uh, going to the hospital and checking her out. The first time I took sort of the overnight shift and stayed with her until about three o'clock in the morning and just, you know, I just sat next to her and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was again. It was hard because, like I said, the the breathing machine was the most disturbing to me because her her body never moved in that way before. Um, it, it never jutted out as violently as 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 this breathing machine was. Um, and I just sat next to her for hours and hours on end. Um, and then my family would rotate through throughout the days, um, and I tried to go to work. Uh, I went in 
I went into work one day and then, you know, uh, we got word that they think there was some improvement. So I went, went back to the hospital the next day, uh, and, and sat with mom again. Uh, they had lowered the, the breathing machine down some, so it looked a bit more natural, uh, and it wasn't so violent. Uh, so that was, that was better. And, um, went back to work again and, uh, got a little bit more progress on, on news. Um, she, they were pulling all the sedation from her and that took, I would say a good three days or so. We were really nervous because, um, you know, they, they were pulling sedation, but it still took her about three days to actually open her eyes and wake up. So she did. She opened her eyes, and um, you know they had uh, they had removed the breathing machine from her, and uh, you know I I talked to my dad a little bit. I was like, "How how is she?" He goes, "Well, she's she's alive, um, but she doesn't recognize any of us." said, okay, I'm heading to the hospital. So I go, I go over to the hospital and I go see my mom and, um, she's got, she's still got like tubes up her nose and stuff like that, but they've taken the breathing machine off of her. And, uh, I, I look at her and her eyes just kind of look right through me. I, you know, uh, I ask, do you, do you recognize me? And she, she kind of looks at me and she shook her head. Yes. A little bit. I think she was just being nice, and uh, I went to to take her hand, and she kind of she kind of pulled her hand away from me. I said, "It's it's your son, Adam," and she let me hold her hand for a little bit. And um, and then there were times, you know, I'd I'd talk to her, and um, and all this this whole time, you know, there was other family that had come by to see her, um, her my uncles, her brothers had come to see her and they were talking to her when she was in a coma. Um, I never really talked to her when she was in a coma. I would let her know that I was there and then I would leave. I don't know how, how good that does, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know if, if people can hear. Uh, I don't think they, they, they certainly don't remember um, if you're there and you're trying to talk to them while they're in a coma. So I, I never knew how good that would be. And so I would just sit quietly next to my mom. But they would talk to her and they would tell her stories about their childhood and things like that. Um, and, you know, uh, eventually they had, you know, they had jobs and work and things that they have to do too. So they, they eventually left. And um, I was there with my dad and uh, while my mom was awake and, you know, I, I would try to talk to her a little bit. Um, my wife had, while all this was going on, my wife had been, she'd actually had gone out, gone out to um, San Francisco. She and the girls had planned a trip, and the day that she took off was when my mom, uh, when my mom stopped breathing. So she was in, uh, she was in California uh, when all this was, was happening. Um, and so, you know, I was, you know, I start talking about my wife and how she's in, you know, uh, San Francisco and they're out They're They're going to go, uh, you know, taste a bunch of wine and, and hang out and have a, a girl's 
you know, long weekend trip. And for a second there, she just, she smiles at me. She's recognizing me. She's recognizing, you know, my wife by name and stuff like that. And, um, and then at times while I'm holding her hand, um, her eyes just kind of go blank and she looks at, she looks at me and she sort of starts to pull back a little bit. Um, and my mom stopped recognizing me. Uh, and I, I, it's, I'm not a handsome dude by any means. Um, and I guess to some people I look a little bit intimidating, but I, I scared my mom. I didn't, I didn't mean just by the way I look, I just scared my mom. Um, so it was, that was a little hard to take that your mom's scared of you. Um, and so she would kind of go in and out of these periods of, of lucidity where she, she understood what was going on. She couldn't respond, but she could, she could see what was happening and understand what was happening. And, um, you know, she had these, uh, involuntary ticks. Um, this is something that I have actually from a car wreck about, geez, probably 11 or 12 years ago. I was involved with a pretty hefty car wreck, uh, where I was T-boned and I, I broke some ribs and, uh, couldn't really afford to be in the hospital. Uh, and I developed this weird breathing habit. Uh, so my, my pace and my metering sometimes when I talk is a little, um, a little jumpy. And it's because at sometimes I have to like really catch my breath to in order to breathe properly, uh, and at times I just do this like <gasps> thing. It's it's not something. It's not voluntary at all. It's just something that kind of happens. And so my mom had these weird muscular tics that were going on. Her uh, her eyebrows would just go up. Um, she would shrug her shoulders for no reason at all. Uh, her legs would kick for no reason at all. And then she did this thing where. She would lift both her hands up at the same time and then drop them at the same time. Like she would lift them up by her shoulders um, and her hands weren't up in the up, upright position. They were just sort of down and then they would drop and then they would hit the bed. Uh, and she would do this, you know, several times a minute where she her, her arms would come up and then they would just drop on the bed. Um, and so, you know, we were trying to get some more information. I never really fully, uh, got a, an answer out of anybody. I said, you know, is this, is she going to be in and out of lucidity like this? And, and I never got an answer from it, but, um, you know, we said our goodbyes and, and left and, uh, you know, I had to just trying to go to work, just trying to, to maintain. And, um, you know, get get an answer. Uh, I, I get a text from my dad. Uh, your mom's more awake now. Uh, she she's not able to talk um, because of all the tubes that were down her throat. Uh, they've got a feeding tube put in her now, uh, so she can't physically eat anything. But she's got a feeding tube in her, um, and they're working on. We've got speech therapists coming in to to work with her on stuff. Uh, you know, and I, and I asked, I, you know, I've, I've been concerned with her mental faculties this whole time. You know, where is, where is my mom mentally? What kind of damage has this done? And, um, you know, no one can give you 
no one was giving me, you know, sort of a straightforward answer like, hey, she's going to be fine. This is some of the side effects of medication or, you know, sedation uh, or, hey, this is, you know, we're really concerned because she's not showing improvement. It just felt like improvement and and seeing things get better felt like it took for, for forever. <clears throat> You know, because it took days for her to actually, after they pulled sedation, it took days for her to wake up. Um, so, uh, my wife and I went to go see her yesterday. And she's, the good The good news is she's a lot more lucid than what she was before. She's able to talk a little bit. She still has a feeding tube that's going up her nose and down her throat and into her stomach. So, uh, and that hurts her. She's, she's in, she's always jacking with the thing, trying to, trying to get it to, uh, not hurt. But we were able to talk to her. Um, she, her voice is very hoarse. It's very rough. Um, they don't have her on solid food yet. Um, or they still have a feeding tube in her, uh, because she, she's having a hard time swallowing. So, kind of to jump back just a little bit when you do this chemo treatment for this particular thing one of the side effects is that it, it kills your ability to swallow your throat is sore and doing something as as what should be as easy as taking a sip and swallowing water becomes a very big task and then after doing that then they had to put breathing tubes down her and she's had a feeding tube down her throat so her throat is raw from having all these different tubes and crap shoved down her throat uh but she's she's horse she's a lot more lucid her personality is returning um she does have periods where she kind of blanks out or she has a hard time forming a sentence um and i think over time that will will go away um the the biggest thing that i got out of visiting my mom yesterday was that she wants out she wants to get out of there um she said i don't remember what happened i don't know what happened and you know, I tried to explain to her that um, ultimately what we found out was that between the harsh chemo treatment and the different medications and sedation stuff that they have to take. So my mom is in incredible pain almost all the time. This is before she even went into the hospital for this treatment. Uh, she's on morphine uh, and hydrocodone. So it's very obviously the pain management side of it is very, uh, serious. Uh, and, uh, the, the stuff that they were giving her for not only the station, but for, uh, f fighting nausea, uh, the, the nausea stuff that they have, they were giving her a couple of different forms of, of nausea medication because again, the chemo, makes you nauseous you can't you can't keep anything down simple simple foods like applesauce stuff like that your, your body doesn't keep it down so it turns out that the sort of the combination of everything and then my mom's heart not being really strong enough to withstand it all caused her heart to um not stop completely but it caused the the rhythm to change to a point where uh that's what caused her to essentially pass out, but it was it was more serious than just passing out. It stopped her breathing. It, it shut down her facilities, essentially. Um, and 
and I know if some people are listening to this, be like, well, why, why, you know, why don't you go after the hospital or something like that? These are things that she needs. Um, everything that was being done, all the the drugs that are being distributed to her, everything that they they do to to maintain her quality of life, these are things that they that she needs. There's not a single one of these, um, you know, either sedation things or nausea things or cancer things. She has to have all of them in order to get through uh, get through the stem cell replacement. So there was this was a concern, and this was something you know that the doctors were concerned about. But there really wasn't anything to to be done as far as changing up her routine. Uh, you know they've lightened up her sedation and they've lightened up her um, you know her pain meds. Uh, the problem is is that. You know, she hurts all the time, and she wants to get out. So uh, while my wife and I saw her yesterday, you know, she was trying to, to pull at stuff, and she wanted to get out. She she wanted me to drive her home, and I had to explain to my mom that we couldn't do that. She needs to stay in the hospital for a while. Um, but uh, that's the story so far. Uh so I will be doing podcasts again. I will be doing stuff. Uh, they'll, they'll be coming up uh, soon, hopefully. And like I said, this is a bonus podcast. If you've lasted this long, thank you for joining me. But um, that's the story so far. Like I said, I've been talking on Twitter uh, about trying to give people a heads up. But I just want to let you guys know that um, we're not out of the woods yet. At some point in time, I do expect something else to happen. Um, And when that does, I will be taking a break from podcasting. But I do appreciate all the support that I've had. People have been wonderful. The guys at Nerdy Legion have been uh, wonderful. And uh, I just want to let everybody know that I appreciate everything and um, that type of stuff. So uh, with that, I'm going to sign off and... uh, See you guys on the next episode. Hopefully that'll be very soon.